Welcome to It's a Question of Balance with Ruth Copland. Featuring stimulating in-depth interviews with special guests from all areas of the arts. And now, here's your host for It's a Question of Balance, Ruth Copland. Welcome to the show where we balance the intellectual with the creative, exploring whether we have more in common than divides us through thought-provoking conversations. For the Arts Hour, I feature in-depth interviews with local, national and international guests from all areas of the arts. And in the Topic Hour, I go out and about and talk to people on the street about a wide variety of different subjects that affect everybody, both locally and globally. The show combines a debate topic with an arts interview because I feel discussion and creativity are two of the most vital ways we engage with the world. This week, my special guests from the arts are Van Maximilian Carlson, the Los Angeles-born, American-Mexican, award-winning, independent film director, writer, editor and owner of Oddbox Films, and A. Sean Austin, writer, producer and president of Big Boss Creative Inc. in Burbank, California. Together, they wrote and produced the film Princess of the Row, with Max directing. I caught up with them at the Cinequest Film Festival in Silicon Valley to talk to them and attend their new film, Princess of the Row, which had its world premiere at Cinequest. The film is a poignant, dramatic and ultimately uplifting story. A creative 12-year-old foster girl bounces around the sometimes abusive foster care system for most of her life and ditches school to visit her military veteran father, who is homeless on the streets of LA's Skid Row. He's mentally ill after suffering a battle-induced brain injury during his service in the Iraq War. The injury renders him unable to recognise his own daughter most of the time, but to Alicia it doesn't matter because she loves him and remembers the father he used to be, a caring man with a love of storytelling. Alicia has inherited her father's creativity and wants to be a writer when she grows up, spending her time writing fantasy tales about a princess on a quest. Alicia's social worker recognises her gift and decides to place her in the perfect home with an award-winning author, played by Martin Sheen, and his wife, played by Jenny Gago. As their lovely home is ten hours from LA, Alicia is fearful of never seeing her father again and decides to escape the city with him. On the run, Alicia must cope with her father's severe PTSD breakdowns, outwit social service workers searching for her, and overcome the worst kind of thugs on the streets of LA, all to make her one dream a reality, to live with her father as a family. Princess of the Road deals with difficult subjects, but it's compelling and life-affirming, exploring our humanity. It's beautifully shot as well. I really, really enjoyed it. I'd like to play a clip from the film before I start playing the interview with uh, Max and Sean. It's a scene between the homeless, mentally ill veteran father and his daughter, whom he calls Princess. Princess has found a broken down car in a scrapyard for them to sleep in and they settle down for the night. You spoke to me at that time. Now I'll read to you. 
This is something I just wrote. Change was blowing in like a summer storm. It's time to take the unicorn away. Away from this purgatory. For a girl her age, the princess plan was very clever. Using a painter's brush on her unicorn. She'd create a new painted pony. As a gift to her neighbors. Painted ponies. Just like in a merry-go-round. I used to work in a merry-go-round in the back of the zoo. Do you know who I am? You're my princess. I love it when you come back to me. We just had to get you off a of skid row. Dad, one day, I'm gonna take you out of this place for good. And then you'll get better. No more crazy stuff. I like that dream. That's a good dream. We stick together. You and me. No man left behind. That's what you taught me, right? Well, that was a clip from the wonderful film Princess of the Row. The father and daughter are played by the talented actors Eddie Gathegi and Taylor Buck as the daughter. Well, now let's hear some of my conversation with the filmmakers. I'm here at CineQuest with Max Carlson and Sean Austin. Thank you very much for agreeing to being interviewed for It's a Question of Balance. Thanks very much. Both of your lives are rooted in the arts. I'm wondering whether you can remember the first piece of art that had a deep effect on you, whether it was film, writing, music, or something else, where you realize that art can do more than just entertain us. Um, yeah, well, uh, I'm Max, hello. I directed Princess of the Row. Um, I, I think the first film that I was like blown away by, I was in... <clears throat> I guess I'll say that I was I was in high school and it was Magnolia and that's mm -hmm. by Paul Thomas Anderson and I think it's the first time like I that I I guess I was just at the right age where it's the first film that it was like an epic drama it mm. was like a real epic drama it was big everything was big about it not in terms of action or anything but just in terms of this huge story where all these things intertwined yet it's a drama, yet it's just about people. Mm. Um, and I remember, I, that movie is three and a half hours long. Wow. I literally saw it in the theater, in the theater seven to eight times. I went oh back that many times to see it. Wow. And from then, I had already been, I had already been making films before that, but like, I remember that just succinctly, like, d distinctly being uh, the first big impact film. But I want to share one other weird thing, because the... It's like synchronicity of everything. The first film I was ever brought to as a child, like I was a baby, mm. my parents brought me to a, in the theater, a screening of Hearts of Darkness, mm. which is the documentary about the making of Apocalypse Now. 
Oh my goodness. Which Martin Sheen is in. Right. And now yeah. I'm here at this festival and Martin Sheen's in my film. Wow. So I think yeah. uh, maybe maybe subconsciously then I didn't even realize that actually had a huge yeah. impact on me too. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, these kind of connections in life I think are fascinating. It's hard to know exactly what they're all about, but I think there's definitely some kind of weaving tapestry of energy in life that that is yeah. working that we're not always aware of yeah. yeah actually that's kind of what magnolia is about also too in a way it's like all these mm. stories interconnect <laughs> <laughs> universe was uh, uh, making it all back sure in. you yeah. went into filmmaking <laughs> right yeah hmm that's interesting and what about you sean do you have a memory of something affecting you on a kind of deeper level rather than just being entertaining yeah oh uh for sure uh when i was young i, I just had this conversation with somebody hmm. my mother uh, would take me to things, and I was little, right? Mm. And she'd take me to, she exposed me to the arts, to mm. culture. So I'd go to operas and, mm. and, and classical concerts and ballet. And then she would take me to, uh, for instance, one of the, my first memories of a, like, real movie uh, was Dr. Zhivago mm. uh, in the theater, Yes. And I was far too young to really understand it, nor probably wasn't necessarily appropriate for my age. Right, yes, yeah. <laughs> but it was this big epic. And mm. and I think that must have left an imprint on my brain because I definitely leaned towards visual media and, and wanting to um, make a career out of that. Mm. My family uh, is very well educated. Uh, they're all, uh, almost every one of them are, are doctorates of something. Hmm. And then I'm the the odd one out, sort of, that I went into school to study film and television. Right. Uh, um, but um, I think that movie, a David Lean movie, and those long, epic, long character development type, you know, uh, films, et cetera, must have been the thing that influenced me that, um, you know, from the beginning, I was pretty sure, yeah, I'd, I want to do something in film. Hmm. And then, uh, it, you know, got to this point where, I co-wrote with Max and produced this film. Mm. I was going to ask whether you grew up in a creative environment, which you, you've answered. What, what about you, Max? I did, for sure. Yeah. Like My dad was a DP. Um, he did a lot of documentary work, uh, TV work. So I always had access to a camera growing right. up. And I yeah. the first thing I edited was on... Adobe Premiere when I was in elementary school. It was like the first version. It was an editing program. Um, and But, yeah, I've been making, like, little short, you know, I don't know, films since I've been in elementary school. My mom was also an editor hmm. at a news station. Um, and then aside from that, just my mom's family and my dad, they both are just very musical. My dad played hmm. piano. Uh, like, my grandfather on my mom's side played guitar, a lot of my mom's relatives, they all play music and sing. Mm. So, and then my mom was uh, a neon artist. She would make, uh, mm. you know, neon sculptures, and, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, so I, I came from a pretty creative family. Wow, yeah. yeah. And what made you choose film, do you think? I mean, it could have... Sometimes people don't want to do what their parents do. Do you know what I mean? And, and so, I mean, yeah. is it just because it, you started so young and so that was kind of the way you expressed yourself creatively? I think that that's probably it in some level. I don't know. I think I f somehow I feel lucky that it kind of organically and naturally fell into doing it mm. uh, because I know it's sometimes hard to figure out what you want to do with your life. Yeah. Um, but I've... I've 
pretty much never felt that way. I've always felt like I want to be involved with film, and I've sort of navigated that path. And I'm an editor too, so I edit uh, movie trailers. So I, I'm 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 still I'm in the the entertainment business world, and um, you know I. It must have just been ingrained in me. It was kind of just a natural flow. I never, yeah. I, I never went to college. I never liked school. Also, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of didn't question it. I, I kind of just went with what instinctually what I liked doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it was all part of that flow from when you were a baby with <laughs> weaving the, the weaving of the universe or a young child or whatever. You, um, so, your film Princess of the Row has its world premiere at Cinequest. You co-wrote the screenplay with Sean. What inspired you to tell this story? Um, well, for us, it's a combination of things, and I'll speak to what initially inspired me. I grew up in Los Angeles, and I've always um, been aware of Skid Row, but it, it, it seemed to me that you know friends and just people, and it's, it's always kind of looked at as this sort of outcast society mm. within a city. So it's... If you go to Skid Row, it's it's totally different than any other part of Los Angeles, uh, and LA County has the highest amount of homeless people in in the United States. So, I felt uh, compelled to tell a story that I guess in some way, I humanized people experiencing homelessness because, mm -hmm. for instance, I'd walk on the street with with friends or something like that because I live downtown, which is right next to Skid Row, and I would notice that you know someone homeless person's there on the street maybe they're not asking for change or maybe they are mm. but I might walk by them and a friend of mine would kind of tense up and get a little afraid mm. I think it's fear mainly that that mm. of, of an unknown um and I always kind of like felt weird about that like mm. I didn't really like that approach of seeing somebody as other than just another human mm. um so I I wanted to for a long time, tell a story on Skid Row that just focused on a character, and mm -hmm. and the story in itself of the film could be different than, you know, or whatever it is, but to focus on a character. So I so I wanted to focus on the character of a homeless veteran, mm. uh, and I so Sean um, and I'll let you talk about this. Sean wanted to bring in this element of a daughter because he's a father and mm. I'm, I'm not a father, um, and we kind of fused these two elements and mm. kind of yeah. So we got to. Uh, we got together. Basically, we were at this point in our lives. Um, uh, Max had mentioned uh, he works in the uh, movie advertising side, a trailer cutting, etc. Mm. And that's where I was too. Mm. Uh, actually, we worked together for a number of years. Mm. Um, and uh, the company I had um, doing trailer editing, um, the things were changing uh, in the economy, etc. So that was stopping. So I was ready to get to. A point I want to do something else and honestly I came to LA to make movies <laughs> I didn't mm. come, yeah. come to make uh, commercials and trailers so this was the opportunity so uh, talk to Max and we both were like let's just go for it let's make this movie yeah. let's make a movie that is yeah. and then Max had that idea um, and uh, on Skid Row and um, a veteran homeless veteran and then I wanted to I wanted something that I was really motivated to work on and uh, being a father I have a daughter who um, incidentally, in a week from now, is getting married. So Aww. I've seen the full gamut of you yeah. know, baby all the way up through the teen years, which is a whole nother radio mm. show. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, and now to this point. And um, that was something that was um, obviously very 
um, powerful to me, mm. uh, the relationship of a father and a daughter. And yeah. it always was, um, I look at my daughter and I realize that she would do anything for me. Yes. When I age, when I become unable to, say, care for myself, et cetera, yeah. she's going to step up. She's always the defender. She's the one who fights for family. Mm. It is so important to her. So I wanted mm. to explore this idea of hmm. that a child will do anything to be with a family, to have a loving family. Mm. Um, And so I wanted to explore that and those characters. Mm. So we put the two together, and then Princess of the Row came out of that. Yeah. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland, and my special guests this week, Max Carlson and Sean Austin from the compelling new film Princess of the Row, starring, among others, Edgar Thuggy, known for X-Men First Class, Taylor Buck, known for The People vs. OJ, and iconic actor Martin Sheen. You can follow the film on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Princess of the Row Movie. We're going to a break now. We'll be back with more conversation after these messages. Buongiorno, we are Luca and Giovanni from Bellagio. We bring to Pleasure Point Santa Cruz the first authentic Italian gelato in the traditional panini. Using family recipes from the old world, we offer the real taste of Italy. We use organic and locally sourced ingredients to create a healthy and delicious treat that will put a smile on your face. Gourmet panini, the real Italian gelato, fresh juices and more just a block from the ocean. Come and visit us. You will feel like you are in Italia. Visit Bellagio at 743 41st Avenue in Santa Cruz. That's 743 41st Avenue. And follow Bellagio Santa Cruz on Instagram. the music from It's a Question of Balance with Ruth Copland. Have you ever wondered what the full songs sound like? Now you can find out by listening to the new EP, It's a Question of Balance Music, available from iTunes, Amazon, and It's a Question of Balance.com. It's a question of balance music. Download individual tracks or the whole EP from iTunes, Amazon, or it's a question of balance.com.
welcome back. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland. I'm talking to filmmakers from the new film Princess of the Row, which you can follow on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Princess of the Row Movie. As I was mentioning before the break, the film has a wonderful cast, including Eddie Gathegi, known for X-Men First Class, Taylor Buck, known for The People vs. OJ, Anna Ortis, known for Ugly Betty, Jacob Vargas, known for Traffic, and the marvellous Martin Sheen, amongst others. I'm talking to Max Carlson and Sean Austin, who co-wrote Princess of the Row. Max also directed the film and Sean produced. Before the break, we were talking about how this story came about. Let's hear some more of that now. I think most people feel they could write a novel if they had to, even if it wasn't a very good one. Mm -hmm. But I don't think many people would feel like they um, can write a screenplay. You know, you've got to hold the visuals in your head. You're evaluating what dialogue will enhance the story. I'm wondering what your process is for writing a screenplay, especially with, with two writers. Um, yeah, this is the first time I think I've written with anyone. Our process on this was we we had the sort of singular logline in a way of this girl who takes her father on this yeah. trip, and then the circumstances of her. She's a home. She's she's a foster child, and her dad's a homeless vet who lives on Skid Row, and she decides to escape with him to mm. find, you know, sort of a home that they can be happy with together because there's all these forces trying to separate them, social mm. services forces, etc. So we had that and from there we just approached it like phone calls really of outlining it uh, scene by scene in mm. a shared Google Doc. I mean, this is very technical. This is this is the process though. Yeah. And, and we kind of just talked on the phone, said, oh, yeah, this and this. But also research was a big part of informing the story. Mm. So um, we went to L.A. Youth Network, which is a foster care organization. We saw how the modern-day group home operates, which are – they're not like orphanages anymore. They're like regular homes in a residential community. Walking by them, you wouldn't even know that they are a – a foster home, but they mm. are. Yeah. And they usually house maybe four to six kids. Mm. Uh, and so we researched with social workers that ran these places. Uh, Sean uh, spoke to brain specialists who knew uh, a lot about what uh, somebody that, that suffers from a traumatic brain injury, mm. how they, they would be able to process things like the, yeah. the father character, um, other social service workers. And yeah. Um, it was really important for us to craft something that was based in reality. Mm, so yeah. uh, with the research on foster care, we also had um, another woman who was um, actually worked as a family, uh, child family services, um, um, ser- uh, the child and family services a- in L.A., um, mm. city of L.A. Yeah. So she had experience in the exact arena and environment that we were looking for. Mm. And the funny thing is, is we started coming together about this idea and fleshing it out and saying things like, now what if this... You know, our our girl, This uh, she's in foster care, and she keeps running away uh, to be with her parent down mm. on Skid Row, her homeless parent. Uh, we love that, but, you know, is that real? And so I called this woman, mm. and she was like, that's absolutely real. Matter mm. of fact, um, kids, it, it's, you know, documented. It happens all the time that a kid Goodness. that's yeah. in, fo- you know, they're, take, they're taken away from the uh, parent or for whatever reason, yeah. and they are, say, you know, uh, out of town, another uh, town over our, our city, and they will come to, say, L.A. for a field trip, their mm. school field trip, that the bus will pull in, 
everyone will get out and that kid will bolt and go look for their parent on mm. Skid Row. And it's a, an occurrence. that We didn't even know that from the beginning, right? but it happened yeah. to be the same thing. Yeah. Also part of the process, um, this is me personally, yeah. um, we started to talk about let's do something. And I like to run a lot. Uh, so I go for a long run, like a trail run up in the mountains, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And I have these things in my mind. And then after you know five to ten miles, it will come <laughs> start coming to me. And then um, I'll spew it out. Matter of fact, there was a, a email or text I had where it was starting to flesh out, you know, some of these beats of girl runs away from foster, goes to find dad, and then they go on the run and whatever. And that's part of the creative process for me. And maybe I would suggest for you know anybody, you've got to find um, that. Um, I guess the muse, mm. what is it for you? Some people like to go to sit in some crowded area and pound away at, you know, their laptop, right. which does not work for me at all. Mm. Um, I like to go out into like seclusion in the wilderness, <laughs> right? And test my, test yeah. my physical body against the elements or something. And then it gets me to a place where my brain can just yeah. start um, weaving stories yeah. and seeing them visually. And then I just got to write it all down quick before I forget. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I recently uh, interviewed Emilio Estevez, and I was asking him um, a question about the fact that it, it seems to me that the best art is the most intensely personal art. And he quoted his dad, who came into the room, and he said that um, he says that art must be personal, otherwise it's impersonal. And if it's impersonal, who cares? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great quote. And so I'm wondering for you with this project, what's really personal for you with with this? Um, Well, yeah, first I agree. You have, I think that for art, at least how, and really anybody can interpret how they view how they want art. But myself, yes, you have to find something in it that inspires you, is personal, is uh, meaningful to you in some way. So the the different things that were meaningful to me, I guess there's two big ones, is the one I mentioned earlier about the the idea of wanting to tell a story of someone who's homeless because we often, it seems a lot of society doesn't view people that are homeless living in a tent as almost as humans, like to to humanize, right? That's one uh, thing that I felt I don't know, I guess just growing up in L.A., that it's, it's my city that I felt like this is an issue that's growing in importance that I wanted to... Well, and there's a lot of wealth and privilege as well. There's kind of a, a contrast, isn't there? There is, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you have high-rises of downtown, and then two blocks down, you have tents, you know, tents and tents and tents, thousands of people living on the street. Um, so that's one important aspect. The other aspect... Um, that I, I want to word it because I don't want to give anything away. No. Um, but my father passed away when I was 25, so that was going on in my mind in terms of sometimes you have to let go of those you love the most, if that makes sense, right? Right, yeah. And so that that's woven into the story. Um, I'll kind of leave it at that. Yes, yeah. Um, don't give anything away. <laughs> and, uh, but that was that's always extremely personal to me in, in terms of just that sort of feeling yeah. of having to say goodbye to a parent or whatever. And, and you know, yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know, Sean, you already spoke about um, your daughter, and obviously that's very personal. Is there anything you wanted to oh, add? Or, uh, uh, certainly. I mean, yeah. it, it, that pegs it. And I've realized that over the uh, this mm. process uh, of, say writing 
really short form for, you know, business. Mm. And it may be about stuff I don't really care about, whatever, but that's just work, right? For this, uh, and absolutely, write about what you know, what you've experienced. Um, bring that to your writing. My daughter, obviously. And, and uh, woven into the story are real life stories that I, you know, experience with my daughter, mm. right? Um, there's... Uh, there's events within the movie where I'm pulling for things. Obviously, I was, uh, I mean, a lot of this had never happened to me. I wasn't a veteran. Mm. I, I don't have a traumatic brain injury or anything. Mm. But um, um, there's steps in her life and my life as a father mm. that I took and then adapted and put into this. And that's, I believe, why um, this movie rings, uh, works for so many people and mm. touches their heart is because it's based on truth, right? It's based yeah. on this core um, knowledge that we each have uh, about family, about um, a, ch a child's sort of like um, genetics and um, even divine right to be in like a you know a family unit that loves them, mm. um, and and then just common things like. Um, a father and daughter having a daddy-daughter dance. Like mm. every father out there, at some point if they got a daughter, is going to go to a daddy-daughter dance. It's just something mm. that happens, right? And we kind of weave something like that into this story too. Mm. Well, if it doesn't, it probably should. I'm sure everybody <laughs> gets that. <but laughs> yes. And it's, it never, it, this is yeah. another thing. Yeah. It never works out the way you envision it. I'm a yeah. guy. I'm the guy. My wife um, accuses me of this. It's like I'm the sort of an episode of Father Knows Best, if you know anything about that old, old show. Right. Basically, uh, you know, the show happens, the kids have trouble, whatever, and then towards the end, Father comes in and he says the perfect thing, the kid understands and it solves everything. Right. Throughout my life, I keep doing st stupid stuff like this. I'll go, for instance, into my daughter's room. She's in her, you know, early teens, and I'm like, she's had trouble, there's problems, whatever, at school. And I go in there when it's nice and quiet, and I figure I'm going to say something, and it's going to solve everything for her. And I walk in, and I say, mm. you know, whatever I'm going to say. And then she just looks at me and screams and tells me to get out, you know, right. and that's the way it really goes. <laughs> that's real life. But you, yeah. you, you pull from that. Yeah. You're like, yeah. that's real. So yeah. put it into your writing. And yeah. then the audience will go, I, you know, I attach, I, I identify with this or attach to it because that is real. That's my life, too. Yes, yeah. Princess of the Road deals with serious issues such as mental illness and homelessness. And I think in many ways, unfortunately, there's a fatigue with suffering. Some people are genuinely overwhelmed because they care and therefore they shut down and others are simply judgmental. And from that perspective, having a piece of art that's entertaining can, I think, get people to think in different ways about something that they wouldn't if they were being presented it in a different context, like the news. Are there advantages, do you think, of presenting issues such as homelessness in a fictional vehicle rather than a documentary, which you, you've also worked with? Yeah, there are. Um, I, I, and I, I don't think I realize that... I, I, I don't think I... Um, well, I'll just say this. About a week ago, someone said to me... Um, it was, uh, it was on a radio segment. She said she, the, after watching the film, she noticed, because she lives in San Francisco and there's a homeless uh, population in San Francisco, um, that she, it has changed her views on homelessness. Mm -hmm. and, and, she, and that effect has not been something she's experienced before. And I think it's, be, it's, the, it's the idea of humanizing um, people that otherwise you don't really give the time of day to, you know what I mean? 
they're they're either uh, um, you know, disenfranchised or marginalized and kind of outcast. Mm. And so if you can deliver a story where you are able to fall in love with the characters and kind of go along on the journey of the characters, right? Mm. And really then identify with them and, and, and hope that the best works out for them and all that stuff. Mm. You remember these characters just so, so much. You know what I mean? They stick in your mind. And, um, and then certainly then if you see somebody on the street who reminds you of that film you will remember all those emotions you felt during the film you remember right. the happiness or yeah. the, the joy or the the sadness the empathy and i think that in that way yeah the film films really can help you um and i do that in, in other regards just when i watch a movie uh, and I, can't, I can't think of an example but if i watch a movie about this and that and i see some sort of real life instance of that i'll instantly remember oh well yeah you know what i mean there, there's there's this instant Films can help you empathize with all sorts of different mm. situations, you know, and yeah. stories. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think all great art, that is what it does, is it creates empathy and an opportunity for connection in ways that perhaps we hadn't thought of previously. Um, you know, you probably heard this over and over again in, say, film school, writing, anything. It's all about story, um, this art form, and... Um, what we realized when we developed the script and then got into it and further that we had developed a theme that we actually then wove back into the opening. It wasn't even there before, and then we tweaked things and added some stuff so it was a little more clear that we um, see these marginalized uh, folks, uh, the homeless. We um, avoid them or shun them. We judge them immediately, all yeah. that stuff. But once you, if you take the time and get to know their story, get to know, mm. you know, where they came from, what are their likes, you know, what's their personality, just get to know their story, then they go from pariah um, to a human. Yes. And yeah. once they're human, you can start caring for them, and then loving them, Yes. and you're yeah. ready to serve them. And uh, that's a theme in our, in our movie, is that realizing that each of these folks out there, they have a, a story. And that story makes them human. Yes, yeah. I did a show on uh, is homelessness everybody's problem? And um, the homeless people that I spoke to in the research that I did, I think, you know, what becomes clear is that actually everybody's situations can be quite different. And we, we tend to sort of think of it in, in one way. Um, although the most common cause of homelessness is, is losing your job, um, I think still how individual people have, have got to where they're on the street is different, and yet we do create this sense of the other. You know, it's, it's sort of easier just to push that away. Um, you're, you're right. You, and you mentioned something right before that about it's, um, you may have a good heart and you want to do something, but it's overwhelming. And, 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 mm. and, this, and this film doesn't present like, here's the solution. It's not that you know, about that, nor no. is there a clear solution. No. But of course, where does it start? It's going to start with each, each of us, each person. Mm. Uh, and then the question is, is it, what do I do? It's so voluminous. And it's uh, with any of these things, it's like service to others. You don't have to travel around the world, you know, to do the service. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have to be a big fanfare. There doesn't have to be a lot of cameras. Mm. Just check in your you know, local town, see what you can do. There's so many opportunities to do something. It could be homeless, it could be you know, foster kids. Um, mm. uh, there's one there in Burbank where I live and, and there's a mentoring program, mm. a, a little thing. You know, what's that take out of my, my week, yeah. you know, an hour? I don't know, 
And then, but what kind of uh, positive effect can I have just by sharing a little time uh, with this youth? And yeah. uh, it, it's a win for everyone. You're listening to It's Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland, and my special guests this week, Max Coulson and Sean Austin, from the compelling new film Princess of the Row, which you can follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Princess of the Row Movie. Join me for more conversation after these messages. Bookshop Santa Cruz is thrilled to welcome back Luis Alberto Urrea on March 25th for the paperback tour of his massively successful novel, House of Broken Angels. Luis is a master storyteller and a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize for his landmark work of non-fiction, The Devil's Highway. In The House of Broken Angels, we enter the home of a beloved and ailing patriarch, Miguel Angel de la Cruz, who has summoned his entire clan for one last legendary birthday party. But as the party approaches, his mother, nearly 100, dies herself, leading to a farewell doubleheader in a single weekend. A story full of larger-than-life characters across two borders who cross all borders and become ours. This is a free event at Bookshop Santa Cruz and a great chance to meet Luis Alberto Rea, March 25th at 7pm. Can you imagine living without stress, anxiety or fear? And can you imagine a life filled with harmony and inner peace? Is that even possible? The Ananda Yoga and Meditation Center in Scotts Valley offers simple tools to help you become more effective at work and more centered in the face of life's challenges. At Ananda, we offer yoga classes for everybody, inspiring workshops, devotional chanting, and Sunday services based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Our teachers and therapists are highly trained professionals who work together to inspire a healthier you. And your first Ananda yoga class is always free. Visit us at anandascottsvalley.org or call 338-YOGA. That's anandascottsvalley.org or 338-YOGA. Welcome back. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland, and my special guests this week, Max Carlson and Sean Austin, whom I interviewed at Cinequest Film Festival at the world premiere of their compelling new film, Princess of the Row, which you can follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Princess of the Row movie. Max Carlson directed Princess of the Row and also co-wrote it and co-produced and Sean Austin co-wrote and co-produced it. Let's hear some more of our conversation. The film has a great cast. It must have been great working with such talented actors as a director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, and in fact, uh, so Martin Sheen, uh, I'll tell you a story about that. He's, he, 
we were trying to figure out who could play these characters, and we were like, well, do we know any actors? Do we actually personally know any actors? <laughs> and I knew Martin Sheen, because I had directed a documentary about the Bhopal gas disaster in India, and he played a, in a character in a movie about the same event. Oh. And, and right around the same time, my documentary came out, his film came out, and so we met up over that, and hmm. and um, interesting. And it's another connection for you in your tapestry. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> he, he should be a son. Yeah, <laughs> jeans. Yeah, yeah. No, there is, I mean it is weird because I've edited also Emilio's trailers for the public. I've edited all of them. Oh, too. There's interesting. A, there's a circular yeah. connection here. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, so I was like, yeah, okay. Let, let me. There's a role here. The the, the this um, uh, foster parent and. Let's see if he's interested in yeah. it. So I emailed him, and um, I think it was like three days later, I got a call, or two days, la two days later, two days later, mm. I got a call, and it was just a voicemail, and it was Martin saying, hey, Max, uh, yeah, I read your script, uh, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so I mean, that, that yeah. was like super quick, yeah. and it kind of, uh, in a way, unlocked a lot of doors in terms of uh, other casts being interested all the right. time. Right, you know I mean? yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'm very grateful to Martin. Um, and he's also a great, funny, awesome person. A generous heart, huge heart. Um, mm. Yeah. You know, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think all the characters feel very real. I found myself very naturally understanding their perspectives. And I think that's a testament to the writing and also to the actors because, yeah. you know, the, the main... You know, majority time of the film is obviously spent with the with the father and daughter, and yet yeah. no none of the other characters feel peripheral, and you feel very drawn into their world. And you know, Martin's character yeah. particularly is is quite pivotal in in some ways, I think, in in different themes of the film. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so yeah, all the actors. Um, I mean, I can like Taylor Buck. Uh, for me, when we were casting, it, it it didn't take so long to figure out that Taylor like arose, rose above the rest of the girls that we were uh, auditioning. She uh, to me had the most access to emotions that I've that I've ever seen of any of these girls. Mm. That like it was it was pretty shocking to see how easy it was for her to be vulnerable on camera and open up mm. so she was amazing eddie uh, speaking of the synchronicity thing eddie gathegi i had edited a trailer about a year before uh we we were ready to kind of go on the mm. film and eddie was in this film it was a small independent film called pimp and he played this pimp and it was a really i, I was blown away by his role he was yeah. scary he was interesting he was funny um and so uh, he was at the top of my list of, like, uh, an actor that I wanted to be in mm. this role. And randomly, a friend of mine, who was a mutual friend of mine and Eddie's, randomly mm. that friend was like, hey, you know, I know this guy named Eddie Gathegi. Have you ever heard of him? And I was like, are you kidding? Like, he's at the... <laughs> yes, introduce me. <laughs> so uh, so that... Um, you got some good karma going on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So that, <laughs> so that's... Right well done. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Anna Ortiz is amazing. She really... Uh, she delivers a, a beautiful, just beautiful role in terms yeah. of her character, not not only being a supporting actor, but a supporting role in the film for Alicia. Right, yes. Uh, kind of yeah. a mentor, guide, um, you know, encourager. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 The film deals with matters of social conscience, but it's also a very human film about the need to connect and love. And it made me think about family, uh, about how family 
is given to us through blood relatives, but can also be created by us through other relationships. Was the meaning of connection and family in all its forms something you wanted to address in the film? Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I, from the genesis, right? Um, my, my family, my wife and I, formed our family through adoption. So each of our three kids are adopted. Um, it's, a, it's a natural fit for me. I, um, there's no other way of me seeing it. Um, and I think probably, again, going back to pulling from things that happen in your own life. Mm. So you're really uh, pulling from real experiences and emotions and connections that you have and then getting it on paper. And mm. it can be, you know, in different characters and it can be in different environments, et cetera, but they're still at the core. So it's still that human, you know, heart and human core that rings. That's why it rings true. Mm. And um, the, um, yeah, the theme of, uh, both a theme and a, a belief is uh, this idea that uh, kids um, need to be in a loving environment, in a loving family, and that's nurturing them and uh, helping them and you know, shepherding them. And uh, that's really what uh, was at the core of everything that I was able to put into the script was that very theme. Mm. And that's because I live and breathe and believe it and... Um, it's what I'm about. <laughs> you know, it's, it's basically, I, yeah. I, let me think, am I, I've had more of my life as a dad than as a non-dad at this mm -hmm. point, yeah. you know, so it's, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I found that interesting because obviously you have got this sort of blood connection, this biological bond, but then the film very, uh, uh interestingly also deals with, other other connections and love and how we, we can connect. Yeah. What, you know, came to me in the film was especially how, you know, relationships can be forged at any point in your life. I mean, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. the social worker has this beautiful, caring, empathetic relationship. And I think I found that very positive because often social workers are presented in films as, as being inept and, you know, not having enough time mm -hmm. and and then you've also got this foster uh, parents who you know they're very willing to open their hearts to to this to this mm -hmm. young girl and so I, I found that very inspiring um just how we can find connection in mm -hmm. in many different ways absolutely uh you know the best way to uh, uh love somebody to get to the point of loving somebody is to serve to serve them and, and uh, Magdalene, in our, the counselor, uh, played by Anna Ortiz in our film, is exactly that, that bond yeah. you're talking about. Right, it's not a blood thing, it's not a I raised her or whatever, but she, she has given her life to Alicia, you know, to, to Alicia's care, right? She's yeah. really trying. She's sacrificing her time and her talents and everything to help this girl. Yeah. And by doing so, you, you're bonded and you love, and you love each other. And that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's universal. Yeah. Thoreau said, it's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. And mm -hmm. I think this is an interesting observation to apply to film. As a director, you're obviously choosing what we as an audience look at, but guided by what you want us to see on, yeah. on deeper levels. So I'm, I'm wondering how you approach thinking about the film so that the visuals present and advance the story and also enable us to, to see the deeper meanings. I think that... 
um, well, in terms of, vit- well, first, we had an amazing cinematographer, right, mm. who, who is also very, I think, empathetic and caring. Mm. He loves what he does, and he wants to do his best. So that is a crucial part in, in terms of finding imagery that can convey things like that. Yeah. But um, so I could speak on that a little bit in terms of like like there are certain shots in there that uh, like for instance there's a shot where they're both where Eddie and uh, Taylor are sitting on the sidewalk and uh, it's it's uh, she leans on his shoulder and just stays there and mm. it's just fr- from behind them. And uh, now that, on multiple levels, it's a beautiful image, mm. um, but it also it has so much within it because of what's going on in the story at that particular time. Um, it has Skid Row there. It has, mm. uh, in the very distance, it has the high rises of downtown in it. Um, and it is, in a way, ta- saying, look at this love that's here. You know what I mean? Mm. In these uh, harsh circumstances, look at this love that's here. Mm. So I, can't, I guess and that probably is at the core of what we were wanting an audience to see, mm. is to see the love that exists, which is the love that you could have in your life and that you could relate to, and it's in these circumstances that are harsh, dire circumstances that are you know much much worse than most of us are ever going to experience in our life. Yes. Um, but you know, doesn't make their experiences any less valuable, though, you know? Yes, yeah. I have a master's degree in in counselling, and um, there's a psychologist, Alice Miller, who wrote at length about how art can help people process difficult events, whether these are events they've experienced themselves or events they've witnessed. I'm wondering if you feel art can have a healing effect, both on those making art and those experiencing it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I can see different ways it can. For, For instance... Um, one, well, I'll talk about art in terms of just filmmaking because that's what I'm sort of used to. Art, uh, filmmaking, movies can almost bring you to a happy place, right? Mm. And sometimes those happy places or, uh, or it can bring you to an emotional place. It can bring you to a place of remembering your love or remembering your family, remembering this or that. And those... You know, you can cry from a film. Mm. I feel like those sort of um, experiences are healing in some way. You know what I mean? I, I, I know that, like, sometimes I'll feel down or depressed about something. A movie that I love will kind of bring me back up. Mm. And it's not that it just makes me laugh or anything. It kind of is that it can make you cry. And it mm. could let you release your emotions. And I think that helps you process something. Mm. I'm not sure what it helps with, but it, I think these accumulations of, you know feeling emotions and sometimes people can be um kind of locked up in their emotions Mm -hmm. they might have a lot of stuff pent up um and a film can also help you through that in some Mm. ways you know yeah um yeah film film is like our modern day parables Mm -hmm. and that you know the teachings uh, the purpose of say a parable is to teach a lesson but it's also done symbolically it's usually some type of story that's yeah, we hear the story, but really, if you're open to it and you're thinking mm-hmm. about it and pondering it, it's really about this other thing, which mm-hmm. is much deeper and more important and more impactful mm-hmm. on you, right? And uh, films um, can be the same way. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's a it's an outlet. Uh, you know, the popcorn movie, whatever. It's just pure escapism, right? Mm-hmm. And then others is yes, it's a story about well, let's just say this uh, homeless, mentally ill veteran and this daughter that wants to be with him. 
Um, but we've had over and over again people view this, and, and they're like, this reminds me of my relationship with my dad. It has nothing to do with you know the plot, mm. but it, it goes beyond it because of the symbolism and the, uh, the emotions they feel and everything, and it, and it brings them back, and then they, they think on their relationship with their father or their parent, and, and it's, it's almost like a, a therapy session. My mom's a yeah. psychotherapist too, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I, get a, yeah. I think I got a lot of this growing up. Yeah. <laughs> Just finally thinking about what you've said do you do you feel personally as artists any responsibility for the work that you create to be life affirming or is that not something you really think about uh i do i do think about especially now maybe i didn't when i was younger um Mm. like meaning i don't know my earlier 20s or something but for sure now i think that uh, I want to tell stories that are life affirming doesn't mean that the plot and the circumstances of the story can not be dire and dark and difficult Mm. but um but i i i don't have i don't i guess because i don't have a pessimistic view of things um you know even in in the darkest of a circumstance there's still to me i i feel more uh spiritual and an outlook Mm. that kind of goes beyond just a specific circumstance and kind of would be embracing of humanity yeah um so uh, that would be my interest yeah 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 I think there's a there's certainly enough um, you know a darkness in the world that just happens right yeah. uh, so i I think I'd prefer to add things that are uplifting ultimately uh, sure the journey is going to be difficult we want mm. conflict in our stories right that's what captivates us it motive yeah. it, and it pushes the story forward so we've yeah. got to have that and explore whatever we're exploring. But um, I like the idea of trying to add a little light into the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Light into other people and then maybe uh, motivating that person to add a little of their light back yeah. into the world. Yeah. Well, I think Princess of the Road definitely does that from, from my perspective and in my opinion. So well done and thank, thank you. you so much for talking to me. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you so much. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland. Thanks very much again to filmmakers Max Carlson and Sean Austin talking to me about their film Princess of the Row, which had its world premiere at the Cinequest Film Festival. You can follow their film on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter using at Princess of the Row movie and that will be a way you can follow the progression of the film and where you might be able to see it in the future. It's a highly engaging, life-affirming film I really recommend it. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to being with you again next time. Mm